Hi there, this is Jim Manick, and this is the National Debate Coaches Association, and this is our second podcast. I'm here today with uh, Chris Palmer. Chris, you there? Hello. Okay, John Cruz is also with us today. Hello. I hope good. Um, gentlemen, it's nice to have you on as we try this. Of course, we've done this before in a different podcast, The View from Tab, years ago, but this is the first time doing it under these auspices. And what I wanted to talk about is registration. So I want to give some background to people who may not have been following this. I've been blogging it and we have some comments and we're going to and I'm going to go over those and we're going to discuss those comments and the blog, but I've been uh, behind the scenes at the Yale registration. And we opened registration on August 1st at 9 in the morning and um I'll just concentrate, for instance, on, on, on Lincoln Douglas. Lincoln Douglas, I have 160 slots. Uh, we opened at 9 o'clock in the morning. By 9.03 in the morning, I had over 300 people who wanted to get those 160 slots. Now, we had done uh, the tournament as everything is waitlisted. The entire tournament was waitlisted uh, for various reasons. Um, not because we thought we were going to get 320 people, but just to make sure. I mean, we have various rules about uh, you know independent uh, um, registrations and things like that that we wanted to make sure that people weren't getting in who we you know should not be applying for registration and so forth. And now we doubled up, um, and we did this in, in everything. This is Varsity Lincoln Douglas. We doubled up in uh, JV Lincoln Douglas. We more than doubled up in public forum, 200. I got over 400 in public forum on the wait list. The speech events were not quite as overbooked, but way overbooked, usually about 100% in most of them, especially the popular ones. So that's the problem that we have. A tournament opens up, a popular tournament, and fills up uh, within seconds, actually within seconds. Now, John, you have your tournament, sure. which also um, opened earlier, sure. you know, midnight uh, that day. day. So I opened my registration at the sort of the stroke of midnight. Uh, you know, I, I, I admit that there's something kind of cool in a, in a nerdy way to me about the idea that the season is open, the tournament's open, we open the, you know, the beginning of the day. And it also did fill very rapidly, and I think we filled uh, – one of our, I think LD actually did fill fill in about two minutes, three minutes. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have wait lists, we have, right? You just you, you a, sign up, you're in. We, you sign up, you're in. Uh, but there are mm -hmm. entry limits per school um, in each event, uh, and uh, yes, it did fill up very rapidly. Some events more rapidly than others. Uh, actually, PF, I'm sorry, PF filled first for us than LD. Um, some mm -hmm. speech events. We're now full in everything with a pretty extensive wait list in most of the events. Um, but yes, it did fill up pretty rapidly on the same day. And actually, I was just mm -hmm. talking earlier uh, to Dave McGinnis, who uh, directs the Valley Mid-America Cup, and he said that his tournament's registration uh, is filling pretty quickly. He actually called it like a Bronx-Yale effect, I think, on a post that he made mm -hmm. online. Um, it didn't fill in, you know, immediately, immediately, but it's filling rapidly. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, yeah, so that, that, and that's been my experience actually for the last couple of years. In fact, since I since I advertised like pretty clearly what the registration time would be uh, and the registration date, I've noticed that it's gotten faster and faster. Yeah. I mean, Chris, I'm going to ask you this. I mean, it seems to me, from my perspective, that um, 
there's virtually an unlimited number of people can register at the same time. I mean, the system seems, I mean, you wrote the system. System seems to be able to handle um, a vast number of people simultaneously. Well, it's really not actually a vast number of people simultaneously for that particular function compared to what Tabroom does at other times. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, for registration purposes, that's a couple hundred people, 300, 400 maybe at once, Mm -hmm. whereas you know, hosting something like Harvard and Berkeley at the same time or NCFLs. On the Harvard-Berkeley weekend, we had um, approximately 5 million hits over the course of the weekend. Mm -hmm. So as far as, like, server and software load is concerned, it's relatively nothing. Yeah, because, I mean, it really, I think people got in, and they were just getting in. Nobody was sitting around waiting. I mean, I was doing UPenn that weekend, that same Harvard um, weekend, and you know, every now and then we'd slow down, and then it would catch up again. You'd be a couple of minutes. It was always the most important minutes, but you know, yeah. only be a couple of minutes, and it yeah. handled it. We know that everybody. I mean, we were running our tournament online, which means not only do you have the people there, but you have everybody checking up on them, the parents and the you know their mother-in-law and everything else. Right. Yeah. Well, so and the slowdowns on that mm-hmm. weekend were actually a result of a bug, not any lack right. of server capacity, too. So. And it has been since fixed. So if we have the same amount of capacity next year for that weekend, I would expect it would work fine. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. so, I mean, the thing is, if people, if you turn on your registration at a given mm-hmm. time, people are getting in. I mean, that mm-hmm. is when they're getting in. <laughs> That's uh, correct. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. Anyhow. Um, if they're there to be got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, most tournaments don't have this problem. We were talking about this before. It's not so much the the problem is not for us in the tab room that, oh, my God, we have to do all this work now because of the load. The problem is people want to go to these tournaments. Sure. Um, We have to come up with a nice way to to handle the the customers here and uh, Um, make sense. Well, let me jump in and just say a couple Mm -hmm. of things from the outset. Um, First off, I think the point that you just made is really important, which is that not all tournaments uh, have this issue, uh, which I think points to a, a broader point, which is that not all tournaments are the same. And by same... I don't mean national circuit versus local circuit because there are plenty of local tournaments that fill up incredibly rapidly. What I mean by that is that um, different tournaments are configured in different ways and attract different kinds of, I guess, audiences, if you will. So I was thinking a little bit about this because uh, my tournament feels very rap- fills very rapidly, right? But I and there are entry limits, but my entry limits are four per school uh, initially, right? Now, Yale, by the I mean, just for the point yeah. of information, is five. Yell is five, exactly. And then there mm-hmm. are other tournaments, which are two, and then there are other tournaments, which are six, and there are other tournaments which have no entry limits, right? So um, what's interesting is that I know that people have bounced around ideas of initial entry limits, and as the coach of a team with 300 kids, I can tell you why I'm not thrilled about every tournament having mm-hmm. low entry limits, right? Um, but what's interesting is that has been proposed as a, as a quote-unquote solution to this, and I'm going to put it in quotes, quote-unquote problem, um, but I don't know that that is a solution that solves anything because even tournaments with pretty low entry rates have the potential to fill very rapidly. So I'm just mentioning that from the outset because I, I think it's important to note that you know tournaments, regardless of how they open or if they waitlist you or whatever they do, open um, with different kinds of entry limits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm... I'm looking at my original post here, which had a logical progression. So, and we handle this. We put in the artif- We put in a cap. Um, I mean, there is a real cap at any sure. tournament, which is there's only so much space uh, available that you know for in, in a school or you know campus or whatever sure. the case may be. So, um, you know, we have real limits at some point. 
And so there is a real, there is a reality that everybody yep. who wants to go to a tournament isn't necessarily going to get into the tournament. That's correct. Um, and so um, what we've been doing with Yale is, uh, and I do this also with the other universities, universities I've been doing, Columbia and Princeton. If somebody, because people come from miles around, for a lot of people come to these tournaments, I mean, not to denigrate the people who are signing up for the tournament, but there is a handful of people, more than a handful, who come to, to be a part of the tournament of, of Princeton or whatever. They want to go sure. visit the campus. Uh-huh. They want to see the campus or something. So it's not people chasing. I mean, you know, I mean, Princeton is a semis bid. So you know, people aren't going there because they're chasing well, the semis bid. It's, it's an NLD. Yeah, yeah. I'm p- public forum. Another thing altogether. Um, so you're right, actually. So we have the octas bid in public forum. So people will go there for the bid, and we fill up public forum like it's going out of style there too. So anyhow, but our thing. I've been doing it with Joe Vaughn. He's been doing the speech events. I've been doing the debate events. And we have given pres- uh, pref- preference to people who have to get plane tickets, you know, which may or may not be a good thing to do, but we've been doing it. And I have had second, I've had second thoughts about it. But nonetheless, that's what we've done because, well, they've got to get plane tickets. It's harder to do that than to just, you know, anybody can get a hotel room and cancel it. Sure. But you can't cancel plane tickets because it costs money. Sure. So, um, you know, can, I, taking... can I just interrupt mm-hmm. for a moment? Yeah, sure. See, now what's interesting about this, and this is why I was saying from the outset that I think we need to examine what the problem is, right, is that functionally by waitlisting everybody, what we're really doing, right, is returning to a pre-electronic registration world, right? Like in the old days, you know, when Richard Sadako would get the registrations from the for the New York City Invitational, mm-hmm. right? I, I, interestingly, I never really had this conversation with Richard one way or the other, although he kind of like marveled at the speed at which turn, our tournament was filling up. But what's interesting is that in a world where Richard Sonico or anyone or you, when you were running bump before people were doing, you know, uh, an e-registration uh, through a website, could really theoretically in, admit people in whatever order you chose, right? I mean, because yeah. there, there'd be no way to know who really got in first, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and... What's interesting about the idea of prioritizing those who come farther away is while I think that there's a lot of logic to that, there's also some logic to say, well, for what about for teams that are closer by, that this is the most affordable tournament for them because it is close by. Exactly. Right? I mean, that's a, so that's that, a very important argument. Right. Well, mm-hmm. the, um, so the, the uh, I guess, algorithm of starting out with the further away teams speaks mm-hmm. to one question about the nature of your wait list. Um, for years at first, when Yale would fill up, and Yale's been filling up like this from the very get-go for right. like about 10 years now. It's been a, it's been a long time. But there were a number of years where we'd fill up, and we'd keep to the cap, and we'd keep to the cap, and we'd keep to the cap, and all of a sudden, two days before the tournament began, a third of your entries would drop away. Mm-hmm. So the rationale behind letting in the further teams first was always that eventually everybody who wants to come will be able to come. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you're Yale and it's a team like Lexington or Bronx or something like that, and it's a matter of just throwing another kid on the bus, right. then I can find out Wednesday before that I can bring another LD or, and that's useful to me. But if I'm a kid in Colorado, that is not useful. And so the idea was to try to get people in when that information could be useful to them. And in a way, um, when you ended up in a world where the local people were getting extra slots anyway and everybody was everybody could be happy with that. Now, if we are currently in a world where that's not true and people aren't just sitting on slots that they're not going to use, maybe that needs to adjust. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it is, right? Yeah, but speaking of slots that people aren't going to use, I mean, we had had this conversation, Chris, you and I, about just TBAs. I mean, you can just take slots. 
And a lot of people do. On Tabroom. On, tab you know, tab yeah, yeah, a lot of people do take the slots. I think slots. that's a feature that's coming to Joy, though. Cool. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's not Brent there yet, though. <laughs> well, Brent mentioned okay. this summer yeah, that that's, that's something cool. that people that's like about Tabroom and not yep. Joy, which I think means he's adding mm -hmm. it to his list. <laughs> but I think, but I, and so. we were discussing it at different opinions, but I think when push comes to shove, for the most part, the TBAs aren't unreal. I mean, they are real. I mean, it's just that you're not going to name them now. Partly because, well, I have to do this on August 1st for a tournament that takes place on, you know, October 15th or September 29th or whatever. It's two months from now. And I can't find two necessary. I can do it if I have two people on my team. But if I have 50 people on my team, I know I'm going to send a full boat. It's just a question of who's going to be on the boat. So, And I think that's the way the TBAs are working. I really don't see the TBAs as a blockage of... Um, you know, too many. I think some people are doing it. Well, they're just going to grab them, whatever. But I don't think that's the big. That's not our problem. Is that I'm that we're like just stuck with all these TBAs. You know, so I, you know, I, I, as far as that's concerned, I don't think there's a great solution there. In, in let's say we eliminated TBAs, um, I, I wouldn't I recommend that. I mean, I, I wouldn't see any. I would see. I I see a lot of advantages to having TBAs. And very little advantage to not having TBAs. Yeah, I was going to say mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's a. There's no solution. Mm -hmm. I would say it's just not a problem in the first right. place. Yeah, exactly. So you know that I don't think gives us anything. Anyway, I'm looking at the comments after. So I posted my things, essentially just saying, okay, people, this is what it is. And I got a lot of unhappy people. And Chris, <laughs> Chris uh, sent me a uh, form letter that he was sending out to people. Um, so that, cause I mean, you get all these emails, well, here's why you have to let me in. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I adjusted your letter a little bit. And as I said to you, I took out all the, the smarmy Palmer things and put in smarmy Minnick things, ah, you know, right. just to, to replace them. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, the thing is, I mean, everybody has the same, well, you should let me in because I'm this, you should let me in sure. because I'm that, or well, will I get in? And Actually, it's like, I, I don't should, know. I should, I should just interrupt and say one quick thing. Um, cause Chris pointed out. I've made a point before that, that I don't want to get lost in this discussion, which is that for years what would happen at Yale, right, is that there would be this drop drop off at the last minute, and then I will have would have calculated I would get a seventh, eighth, and ninth entry <laughs> and like have already, you know, prepped the kids. Now I'm I'm mentioning this both because I, you know, I, I'm patting myself on my back for my delightful ingenuity with this, but I, I also mention this because I am I am sympathetic to complaints that people have because I'm not only a tournament director, you know, I'm also the coach of a program, right? Mm -hmm. And so I know that I have sent many of those irritating emails to Jim and Chris and others, right? As you know, as the coach of Bronx Science, right? So, um, so everybody has a sort of a sort of sob story, and I know what my blanket sob story is, right? In terms of I have so many kids on my team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm only mentioning that because I think it's important that that the three of us acknowledge. You know, we also coach programs, and we mm -hmm. get it, right? Like we do. But anyway, I'm sorry, Jim. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, well. Uh... <laughs> I mean, there is some logic, though. I mean, I know that if a tournament is taking place around here, mm -hmm. that I have a few schools that are big schools. Yours is one. Regis is another one. Um, Stuyvesant, usually. That if I, you know, if in fact we do have space and everybody else, nobody else has anybody, you guys are going to have people, you know, and be happy. And you're going to cover them with good judges right. yeah. and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. so, you know. But I don't think we're, I think we're beyond that as some of these things. I mean, like, like I said, it's, a, it's only some of these tournaments, but people want to go to them. Anyway, I'm reading this, there's a comment here, and the first thing it says, um, as a solution to this, 
impose very substantial fines for registering excess teams and then dropping them. This will force teams to register only for the number of spots they can fill. And there's a number of people suggested financial um, well, penalties. I'm dubious of that for two big reasons. Yeah. One is that um, one of the, the reverse way of doing that is, is, is what a tournament like the Glenbrooks does, which is you don't get off the wait list right. until you actually pay your fee. Mm -hmm. So that way you have to commit to that slot whether or not you're actually going to be able to fill it. But the Glenbrooks is in mid-November. Yale is in mid-September. And so for that reason, there there's two, you know, both the approach of prepaying and both and the uh, approach of fining people for having pre-filled a slot it doesn't sit very well when you don't even know your kids' names. That's right. You know, I, uh, Tim, Tim, Al Tim Alderetti said something like this on on your blog, and I, I I I really agree with what Chris just said, and 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 the point that Chris was, uh, that Tim was making, which is that that can't just be the new normal, right? That it can't just be that like you're expected to know exactly who's going so far in advance. No, but that's what we were saying before. The whole point of the TBA is, is so beneficial. I mean, I, I make a presumption that for most teams we deal with, um, they right, are regular teams and they're going to have the people. They're not but, making it up, you know? Yeah. Well, like I, mean, never, I, like yeah, I yeah. might go into school in two weeks or three weeks, see my kids for the first time in three months, and find out that there are five bar mitzvahs the weekend of Yale. And, you know, I had no idea, and it turns out we're only going to send three. So... You know, that's not so good to then be slapped with a huge fine because of stuff that I had no ability to find out, right? Somebody's making a lot of noise, by the way. Somebody's like moving. What is that? Do you all hear I that? I hear it. I think I'm in the, there's yeah. breeze coming through my window. It is it, maybe it's picking it up. I don't know. I, th I think it has to be that. Yeah, I see I'm we have here. nature here. I'm not one of you. <laughs> there's no no soon, nature so. on podcasts. Rule number one. <laughs> Get rid of the nature. Yeah, so, so. Is that better? Yeah, I don't hear anything now. Okay, I moved a curtain. Wow, you're going to have a hurricane going on up there. It oh, was man. a very light breeze. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, that's all it takes, you know. Yeah, but I, th so. I don't know. I mean, I have, I, yeah. there's something about, I don't even like paying in advance, to tell you the truth, um, because, uh, and, and for me, actually, it's not so hard to pay because I just pay out of pocket and get reimbursed. Right. And the school, my school is very good about that. And I know some people don't have a good reimbursement system, but I do. So it's not terribly a problem, but... You know, it's just there's something about the idea that I'm paying in advance. I don't pay for in advance for much of anything, you know. Well, and, see, but the problem with that, and I do understand mm -hmm. the paying in advance system if you're later in the year, because one of the big problems is that all of the costs for a tournament are sunk well before you actually get to the tournament, mm -hmm. and everybody puts in their invite the same line that if you bail on two days before, you still owe the registration fees. But how right. often are turbans actually able to recover? And so if you've got the Yale tournament where they have to pay for every room and they have to pay for the food and they have to pay for the judges and then 30 people decide not to go, that's all out-of-pocket mm -hmm. expenses for them. So I can certainly understand the impulse to say, well, you know, you bail on us mm -hmm. and we've got your money anyway. So, you know. I don't mind, I, I don't mind sending it out. I mean, a couple of weeks yeah. in advance, I'll set the fees and you got to pay by then. But other than that... <sighs> And I well, would have the temptation is mm -hmm. that it really does remove a lot of bad citizens because mm -hmm. the backdrop of a lot of this and the backdrop of the concern, the, the backdrop of the reason why I sent you that form letter about mm -hmm. getting rid of people nagging about the wait lists and whatnot is that all of these things do take away from the time a tournament director has to spend on things. Right. And mm -hmm. the more the tournament director is answering, answering your 15th email about where you are on the wait list, the less time they're actually working on making the tournament right. actively good. Right. And 
I mean, that is a large number of reasons why I don't run college tournaments anymore because I just couldn't put up with people nagging me all the time, yeah. and I had no time left to make the tournament better than it was the year before. No, I can appreciate that. So, John, uh, yeah. you know, it's a tax on the community, if it, and it does make a certain amount of sense to turn that tax on the community around to a tax on the people causing the problem. Now, John, you don't you have, like, you ask people to pay, but they don't have to pay in advance, That's right. right? So, mm-hmm. um now, why do I do that? So this is actually an interesting thing, and it's one of the reasons why I really, really agreed with Tim Aldredi's post, actually. Um, it's one thing I think – so here, the reason I ask people to do that, and I'm pretty open about it, actually. I said you're not required to pay in advance. I said I'm asking you to pay in advance for two reasons. One is it will – you know, it, it should help with the registration process the day of because it's one less thing you have to do. I, and I'm also very honest. I spend a huge amount of money on overhead, right? I mean I, I, I put – you know, we, we don't really run our tournament to make an enormous profit. We run the tournament because you know I feel an obligation to put on a big event for the community. So knowing that that money is being spent on the tournament, right, I then ask our guests that if it's possible for them to mail a check in advance, it would just help me because the team is laying out a lot of money ahead of the tournament. So we don't do it as like a punitive thing or a requirement thing. It's a, It's a... It's a host asking a favor of the guests. And you know what's interesting about that is that I find every year that I would say about half the schools pay in advance hmm. without any requirement to do so, right? And, and, and typically it's schools that have come before, right? That they know that I'm, I'm being serious, that this money is going towards them ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just helping us out. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, you know, different tournaments will do what they need to do. You know, we pay the Glenbrooks check right away at the beginning of the year because I remember early – on at Bronx Science that I um, I didn't quite take the warning as seriously as I should have that you need to mail that check in right away. Um, but what's interesting is that even in a, a situation like that, and this is another reason why I, I, I'm not sure that, that fines and penalties and checks solve, right, is uh, the Glenbrooks still feel, fills really rapidly in speech even if you mail your check in pretty early. Like you really have to mail your check in immediately if you want those slots guaranteed. And that's no, you know, that's not a criticism. It's it's a very popular tournament. It's, right? it's just switching the process to that's the right, mailing but, in of the check. But the funny thing is that it's the same rapid thing, right? And and I, by the way, just like I commented before, that you know, in a world where uh, checks could be uh, or you know, registration could be done however you'd like it when you mail things in, I got to say, I'm pretty sure the Glenbrooks is pretty honest that they just go with whoever comes first with their checks, right? Because I've mm-hmm. I've I, I know years where I've been waitlisted when I when I took a little longer than I should have, um, and and whatnot. So I I am not convinced that that really solves anything. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it just transfers. I'm... Well, on the other hand, though, remember there's there are things that will solve for some tournaments and then won't yeah. solve for the. Yeah, I think I think we do have to look at each tournament yeah. as an individual <laughs> so. um, business. I mean, I know that Yale has certain things. Now, here's another. Um, all right. The second thing. I, well, the real I, actually yeah. dialing mm-hmm. back even further. The real question is, does the Glenbrooks have mm-hmm. the attrition rate that everybody else does? Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's idea. what that's supposed to solve. It's not really supposed to solve filling quickly. Right. It's supposed to solve attrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the next thing, and I, frankly, I, I, I can't argue against this in any way, shape or form. More to the point, I think it's a good idea, which is just reduce the number of, spot, of spots available starting out. Well, um, I mean, that I at least. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not agree with that. Okay, well, let me just, I mean, let's, I'll say why I like it, and you can say why. I mean, t- just because I, say, I, I have an arbitrary number that's five. And by having the arbitrary number that's five, I have about half the schools that wanted to get in aren't in yet, and they have no idea if they're going to get in. If I had an arbitrary number of three, then most of those schools would have at least three people in, which would seem to be better than three out of five would be better than having none out of five. So that's my logic here, and it's a, a sheer arithmetic one. Sure. Yeah, sure. and it's also predicated on the idea that when all is said and done, um, nobody, I mean, that we are going to be, always be above uh, capacity and are going to have to turn people away. Sure. So okay. reducing spots is predicated on thinking you might have to turn people away. Got okay. It. Okay, a few things about that. I I. I see a, I mean, first off, I limit slots. And we already said this, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I acknowledge that I limit slots. But you give we, like six, right? I get four. Four. There's four per school. Okay, you, well, you're you, even you, better. You're fewer right. than, yeah, right. okay. That's right. So we have four per school. You can, you can get some extra slots. Um, and this year, truthfully, it looks like it's going to be difficult for me to give as many extra slots as I have before. But you can get extra slots. So a few things about this. Um, I am obviously not opposed to entry limits at, certain kinds of tournaments because uh, there's a, a, a time and a place for it. Like I said, my tournament has limits. So why do I put limits on my tournament? Right? I think that, that that's the real reason to ask yourself why you're limiting and where you're limiting. I put limits at my tournament because the New York City Invitational at Bronx Science um, is intended to be a competition for the very top varsity competitors. But not every tournament has to be uh, limited to the very top competitors. right? Uh, and in fact, many tournaments shouldn't be limited to the very top competitors. So the problem is that when you have uh, low entry limits, when, when there's an incentive to have every tournament have low entry limits, I believe what you're functionally doing is, uh, well, actually, you're doing two things. One is that you may be skewing the audience, if you will, of the kinds of kids that you have at your tournaments. And I think that you may be creating more drama for uh, teams that are larger, and I don't just mean teams that are the size of my team, because I realize that Black Science is like unnaturally large, right? But 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 any team that gets to be of a of a pretty, you know, pretty large size, of a, of a decently large size, starts to have real issues if every tournament feels that it needs to. Well, it wouldn't be every. It's, it's only going to be a certain kind of tournament. It's going to be the. It's going to be six tournaments a year. It's got every. I mean, like bump. I would never think of this. But you do uh, limit bump. entries at bump. I, well, I limit entries to that because I like a I know, balance. I because I bother you every year. I know, <laughs> but I like the balance of sure, no, no, if no, I no. let you have all your entries. Yes, that's right. We would flood the field. And it would yeah, be, I don't want to flood field. So it is, and so it's for that reason. But and guess, so it's, guess, it is for a different reason. Right. I know I a lot of tournaments don't have limits. You know, smaller tournaments. I, mean, we, I run some sure. tournaments. Have, you can bring a bazillion people that's in every right. division. And, and, I mean, the Regis tournament, you know, bring a million kids to Regis. That, I get it. But my point is that I think if, if we sell that or if we, we suggest that that is really the solution to this problem, that I, I sense that that might incentivize more tournaments to limit their entries more than they should. I mean, here's why I think people should limit entries, okay? I hear that here are some reasons that make sense to me. One is you want it to be the very top kids. And there's a place, for, I do believe that there's a place for that. Well, there's like the, is, you could have two, you can only let two in or something like right. that. Two, that to me two, is two. very. Um, I think reasonable for, right. idea if you're trying to build that kind of tournament and you that's can right. I mean if in fact you are able to do so and in fact and will yeah. get the people who are the that's top right. two or that's whatever. right and mm-hmm. and now similarly you could have another kind of tournament and so so here's an interesting note Woodward runs a novice national tournament 
right? Mm -hmm. But they also have entries of limits, not because they want the very top kids, but because they want presumably the top novice kids, right? It's the same idea, but of a different level. So the reason I mentioned that is because it could be of different groups. Or, or another example would be the academy debate format that you've popularized in our area, right? That uh, would be, you'd have an entry limit, but the limit is, it's, it's, a, it's a particular age of kid that's limited, right? Mm -hmm. Another reason why you would entry, uh, limit entries, obviously, is the initial thing we said, which is that at the end of the day, only a finite number of people can fit into a tournament because there's a finite number of spaces. And I say spaces because I have been known to create extra spaces. I think a lot of tournaments do things like that, right? You want to accommodate more entries. Um, I guess I would also say that uh, the other reason why you want to limit entries, uh, well, actually, there's two other reasons. One you mentioned, which is that you want to have a certain balance. And I can respect that, right? I mean, I think that there's, I, I get why it's difficult if Bronx Science shows up with 15 kids and everybody else has four kids, right? That that's a problem, mm -hmm. perhaps. But uh, but another reason, of course, is that a, a, and I, I believe that this is a, a big reason to limit entries over at least overall entries is that you want to make sure that your judging quality is reflective of the kind of tournament that you want to run. Now, for some people, that might mean anyone can judge, so it doesn't really matter. But if you want a particular, you know, flavor of judging or or experience level of judging then you might need to limit entries and you might need to limit them per school to make sure that you have greatest functionality out of the judges that you have. To me, those are all reasons to limit entries. I get the... I, There's another reason yeah, too, which is sure. that if you have too many entries from one school, you can't pair rounds sometimes. Right, 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 right. I was trying to get at that before, which is that, of course, the, the balance mm -hmm. issue adds to that, right? That it just becomes impossible to pair. Yeah, that's why we sort of let, let limits go away at a younger junior varsity academy yeah. kind of level essentially of classes, a, right? in a division where you don't care if the same school mm -hmm. hits itself you would you could relax right. that all you mm -hmm. want but otherwise yeah sure and and okay. i guess I, to me right what's interesting about this conversation is that you know i don't like being shut out of a tournament i admit that on the other hand uh there comes a point where it's like we've already acknowledged that not everyone can compete so what is interesting is that we are not actually talking about people competing. We're talking about schools competing, right? You see the distinction that I mean, right? That when you start putting everything as an entry limit, then what you're really saying is that what matters more is the greatest number of schools compete as opposed to the, you know, the greatest number of people who, who, who really want to compete or something like that. Um, I obviously think that school diversity is very important, but there's another part of me that thinks if a tournament is so popular that so many people want to go to it, you're never going to please everybody. I mean, right? I mean, mm. that, that realistically, it's not possible to please every single person who wants to come to your tournament, right? I mean, I, I've worked hard to try to get as many people into my tournament, and I know that not everyone is going to be pleased because even people who are in the tournament are not going to get all the kids they want to get into the tournament, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, it's just not possible. Well, no, I mean, I'm just I'm sort of just mm -hmm. saying this off the cuff. And I, I, but I still, I mean, at some point, I mean, keep in mind that attrition and everything notwithstanding, I probably have, I would estimate, 100 people that aren't going to get into you. Sure. So I want to, but my goal here tonight is to say well, next year, the not this year, but next year when 100 people don't get in, here's why you didn't get in. Sure. And they'll say, I buy it. Anyhow, so let me move, I want to move on well, to a different can subject. Can I ask a question about the 100 mm -hmm. people, though? Because I thought about this with my own wait mm -hmm. list, okay? I have a whole bunch of schools that are not yet in. But a lot of the people on my wait list are an extra entry from a school. 
So I am curious yeah. for Yale, how many of those waitlisted entries are an extra entry and how many are entire programs that are not going? I can tell you um, Just curious. I mean, a handful of schools. Have, I'm looking, I'll look at PF because that has 257 people not coming. Of those 257 people not coming, let me let's. Uh, ooh, let me you can order button, it by right? the entries. That I can order it by the schools and see how they work. If my computer were faster, <laughs> you know, I used to be able to use this back in the old days. If you needed information, you woke up a monk and they told you. And <laughs> now you got to sit here and wait. I got two computers going and nothing's happening. It's all tab rooms problem. Waiting for tab room. Uh oh. Hmm. Okay, here we go. So I bring it up by school, and uh, I go down, 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 down. Here's a school, Bronx Science, that has five already, and that was the limit. And the next one I get to, that was in the Bs, and everybody else is zero, zero, zero. Everybody has zero. I'm up to K. Everyone still has zero. Um, So a lot of schools, then. uh, So mostly every school here. Here's one that has one, uh, a school from... um, there's a Pennsylvania school has uh, a full contingent, and uh, Princeton has a full contingent. There's like and uh, Ridge and Regis. There's like seven or eight schools here that are asking for some more slots, and everybody else is not in at all. And this is a public forum, which is the most uh, right, yeah, you know, popular. So no, it's it's not spread. Mm-hmm. It's not evenly spread out. I mean, look, the I think that anyone who knows me right and has attended my tournament before knows that I. My my mission in life is, seems to be to bend over backwards to to. Well, this help is not because I really you know I want kids to be happy and coaches to be happy. But it's interesting because it's it's one of these things where I think we just have to we have to keep in mind with whatever we discuss that there is no perfect solution because yeah. not everyone will always be happy. But I think right? the, per, the solution has to come from that tournament. Here's the right. there's a couple of things in the next in this comment here, and I think that are important. And, and that I think point to the fact that a tournament needs to make some determinations off the top um, before anybody gets off the wait list. They have to decide who, in fact, they want to come. So you've already said things like, well, if you want to have a, an elite tournament, you're going you're gonna to do it a certain way. But here's that. So this guy here says that uh, for some schools, they may only get a chance to compete on the national mm-hmm. circuit once or twice a year. Right. These schools shouldn't be penalized because they're close to the tournament location, which is something I was talking right. about and before. Right, and I have to you know? agree. Yeah, so that, I mean, we want to let, I, I know that Yale, in fact, has a thing where they are um, encouraging Connecticut schools to come. Now, most of the Connecticut schools are doing uh, parley, you know, because yeah. it's not a big, um, you know, they're just not big in other things, but they do do parley. And so at least we can accommodate them there. But let's say all the Connecticut schools were doing public forum and, and then, you know, what do we do there? Do we uh, do we set up a little... Um, you know, pocket, okay, we're going to let in this many Connecticut schools. I mean, here's the one thing, I haven't said this yet, but the one thing to me that seems to be no warrant whatsoever for getting into a tournament is that you were the first one to sign up. That to me is like, um, I mean, I realize it's arbitrary and fair in a certain context, but it's also, you know, if there's a lot of reasons why people should or shouldn't go to a tournament, um, you know, being fast on the computer does not seem to be the best one. So it only provides yeah. me with a random solution that at least it is fair. That's the only well, thing I, about it. It's blind. I even went further than that one year at Yale, and uh, this was the last year I ran Yale. So the system uh, fell away without any real agency behind it, I think, is that 
Um, the other issue is that, you know, it's difficult for coaches to sign up for a tournament on August 1st. Right. You know, sure. people go mm -hmm. away, go, they go to Venice or whatever, and their yeah. um, time zones are an issue when you think about both the midnight opening at Bronx and yeah. also the 9 a.m. opening at Yale. And so and so I would, did, yeah, I devised a system wherein you could um, – you could uh, you everybody registered for a week and then i allocated an equal number of slots after that week was finished that. so mm -hmm. that way if you registered at 901 on thursday and if you registered the following tuesday you were on an equal footing and mm -hmm. what that does do is it maximizes your number of schools um it spreads everything out um and it also doesn't make coaches you know disrupt their personal lives to the same extent and it removes this idea that because you're quick on the draw, you get slots and other people don't. Um, it does make it harder for people to plan a little bit ahead of time. So you, you, that idea that I'll have five or four slots at Yale becomes a feeling that I might get three or four. Um, and so that makes it a little fuzzier. But overall, I kind of liked how the system worked out. Um, and at the end of the day, a world where you're saying do I get three or four-ish slots and I don't know is better mm -hmm. than a world where the options are five or zero, right? Mm -hmm. And all depending on the space of minutes. So let me get this straight. I was, I was reading some notes. So you would actually just say like, okay, so for two weeks, registration's open just for one. two weeks. Just one week. One week. Yeah, because otherwise people mm -hmm. go crazy. But well, I would so have everybody, by the end of that week, I'd have everybody that I have now. Okay, so then how would you pick them? Yeah, and so then how do you, you pick them? You waitlist everybody after a week, um, yeah. up until a week, and then on the mm -hmm. week anniversary or whatever you decide to do it, you sit down and you say, all right, mm -hmm. I have 160 slots at Yale, let's say, and I have 80 mm -hmm. schools registered. That means everybody gets two. Okay. And so at that point, that determines how many slots people get based on an equal numbers from each school. That is a certain... I mean, that's fair in a different way. And I yeah. like that kind of fairness because, I mean, I'm, you know, the other thing that this guy here is talking about is letting small schools compete. Um, and he also proposed the thing where have registration open for a set time frame um, and then have a set of priorities to fill the spots. My problem with priorities to fill the spots, you know, like have a local school and have this kind of school and that kind of school is yeah, like, that my God, all my friends. Yeah. And I don't even know half of these schools. I don't know if they're yeah. big, small or, you know, whatever. I have enough trouble just weeding out the ones who aren't really schools, you know, and things right. like that. So, right. um, but I do like the idea of just, you know, 300 slots or 300 people, 150 uh, slots. So that's two each. Yeah. And then, then then keep working from that. But how do you do the next round? Well, one each on the basis of, you know. Yeah, you just keep going down the list that way. Alphabetically, by time or by lot? You just mm -hmm. pick one? How do, you, <laughs> how do you pick the next one? Honestly, it worked itself out after that point forward because mm -hmm. usually everybody ended up with an equal number of slots is really what it came down to. Because the schools that need want extra slots are almost always local schools that have very large programs and can do mm -hmm. it at the last minute. Yeah. So, again, attrition kind of takes care of them. Yes, nobody from you know, far away is begging for extra slots a week before the tournament. You know, yeah, so. you don't. And honestly, mm -hmm. people from far away aren't begging for slots the three, five mm -hmm. weeks before the tournament either because it's yeah. so expensive to bring. You know, they're not going to bring a schlub uh, clear across the country, right? You know, like mm -hmm. a school from Texas is going to bring their ringer and maybe mm -hmm. an extra kid. They're not going to yeah. bring 12 kids. That's just right. not how that works. You know, but I do like, like that. I mean, your idea here of doing this is spreading it out and doing a mathematical thing after a week has a certain fairness to it. It, it. it solves a lot of the problems. And, I mean, I, you know, I, I, then, I mean, like John's turn to me, you got to stay up late 
But, you know, if you're on the East Coast, whereas on the West Coast, you got to get up early to register for Yale. we got plenty of people coming in from California and, you know, that's the West a, Coast. That's another thing that seemed to have died at some point at Yale, because Yale used to open at noon for exactly that reason. Yeah, well, they said it. I didn't notice that when they, when they, yeah. they didn't, the kids set it up, and I didn't set it up. I just went over things, and I didn't pay oh, attention to that You let one. the Yaleys set it up? What are you, nuts? <laughs> I hope no Yaleys are listening to this. I, I uh, well, you think I care? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I people who are allowed to say that. I must be surely on top of the list. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, okay, I'm going now to the next comment, but this one is just another. Uh, this, I, I don't buy this. Assess fees and make them do 30 days in advance. No refunds. Refunds for drops. 30 days. Um, if a school doesn't pay their, well, you know, um, I just don't see that. You know. I mean, 30 days in advance and no refunds if you drop somebody that's... Um... 30 days before Yale is August 22nd. <laughs> and I, we are not even, we're not a week from, we, you know, we have more than a week to go before we're in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just not realistic. Yeah. I mean, it know? might be realistic later in the year, but even, you know, I, I, these are kids. I mean, my kids may or may not, you know, they, they, they come up with stuff, even the ones who are dead right. serious, come up with well, stuff that they weren't aware of that was going to happen, that they can't attend a tournament. And there's also, uh, are you guys familiar with the effect of uh, charging people to pick up their, late, their kids late from daycares? Have you no. read that study? No. So ultimately we're talking about here is that the, the reason to charge a drop fee or something like that at the last minute is because you have taken a slot right. away okay. from the tournament, right? Okay. The tournament can fit 160 LDRs, and if I drop a kid on Thursday night, it will now have 159. And so that's a thing that some other kid could have used that they're not going to, right. right? So that's why you charge a fee. Um, if you're dropping, if you're penalizing people for dropping 30 days in advance, there is no such harm right you're not you're not actually charging anybody for a thing that they have caused harm and so a full drop fee is just a little bit much um what about for my channel we have people forfeit their entry fee what do you think about that well uh, i actually was going to say a different thing before we we get Mm -hmm. to that second but um the the daycare study is i believe it was a daycare in israel or something did a study based on um they had the honor system before and if you were late to pick up um, your kid, you know, the people frowned at you and you were saying, I'm sorry, and you picked up your kid. So they thought it was a problem and they imposed a late fee. So if you picked up your kid up for to 15 minutes late, you had to pay an extra, you know, 20 bucks or whatever. Um, and the amount of people picking up their kids late increased because now it became a fee for service. It did not become a, you know, thing we does for the community. I'm not ruining somebody's life now because I'm paying. It's like, oh, well, they're getting paid for it. So I can afford to diddle for another half an hour. And so you've got to be careful with fines because they don't actually always work the way you think they would, you know. So if you impose like a smaller fine, like a $5 fine for drops, I might, without any guilt whatsoever, sit on those slots because I'm paying for them now. They're mine. Yeah. Right? So it changes the dynamic. This one is a um, – I'm going to give you a narrative. Well, before you do that, uh, John brought up another issue that huh. I think we should uh, – and I totally forget what it was because I was babbling while you were saying it. I was just saying that another option is to not charge a fee, but uh, at my tournament, just to be clear, you know, uh, I actually should acknowledge that my uh, Skype cut in and out a little bit. So if you said this, I apologize. Um, the at my tournament, what we do is uh, the only fine is the day of drop, right? Like you're saying, because for the reason you said, which is that you are, you know, you that is at that point you've cheated somebody out of a slot. Um, but until that moment, the only thing that we have people do is, is um, forfeit their entry fee. Yeah, the entry fee the freezes fee. ahead of time. Now, what's interesting is that um, I've given some flexibility to some of our closer by teams only because 
it was it was encouraged that I do so, right? Um, <laughs> although I admit that I had mixed feelings about that because I felt like, uh, in fact, you know, everybody should be on the same you know the same page or whatnot. But anyway, the larger point is that um, what we do is we require names decently ahead of time. And we do this actually on our end for two reasons. One is because we want to have judge names ahead of time so we can make sure we've hired you know enough overage on judges and that everybody is set with that. But we also do that because uh, you know we put a lot of work into the hospitality for our tournament. We want to make sure that our numbers are pretty accurate, right? That, we, that, we're, that we're ordering for enough people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what I usually do is I even allow name changes of students really until the day before, right? Because at that point, you know, you, you haven't done anything, you're not uh, harming me, especially in a world with tabroom.com where you could just change it on your end and it doesn't matter to me at all, right? But uh, the way we, the, the point is that we don't have any fine until the last moment, that the, that, the, that the only fine is you lose the entry fee that you told us you were gonna bring in the first place. But I'm not sure if that's functionally different from what you were just saying, because like I said, admittedly, I got a little feedback and then it cut out for a moment. Oh, it, it's it's different from what I was saying in that, right. you know, that's perfectly fine because you are, you know, removing somebody from a room that would have been there otherwise. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm just saying that mm -hmm. if you, uh, you know, if you charge a fee, people tend to think that, that they have now purchased the thing they're that's doing right. for that yeah. fee, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's not right. good. Yeah. Okay, this, I'm going to read this one. This is, I, I, this is the person that we're dealing with and a lot of the stuff we can't do much about but it's interesting i agree with all the suggestions given previously as a new yale attendee i am frustrated that i spent the morning of august 1st on vacation in a darkened hotel room as to not wake my spouse with my laptop registering as fast as i could only to receive notice as several students were on a wait list as a coach, I only register those students that applied at the end of last year, paid a deposit, and confirmed over the summer, so this is a pretty good, you know, responsible person, that they were ready to compete in September tournaments. They included titles and ISBNs for their new pieces, participation in the summer program. Um, then, you know, she goes on from there. I, I understand that some schools are not starting until Labor Day, blah, 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 but I feel blah, 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 blah. Uh, someone that has been on the other side, it is horribly frustrating and heartbreaking to inform those few students that were waitlisted and may not be able to attend. Um, you know, it's if the slots were limited more severely, that's fine. We could plan uh, when we're told five and I enter five, which really they aren't told five. I'm sorry about that. Because it says waitlisted to discover the two. That's where the frustration comes. But I can still... As a, yeah, we certainly want new people to come every year. New people should be coming over the horizon every year. We don't want to see the same old faces, otherwise we're going to die. Yeah, so we, yeah, I don't know how we hand, and I have no well, answer to this. You know? I do have an answer to this. I think that one thing you have to do, um, and I know that this makes some people uncomfortable because it sounds like I'm saying play favorites, but I, I don't really see this as playing favorites. There are two schools of thought, I think, with how many people you admit in. One is that you may want to admit actually slightly more than you can comfortably hold if you're confident that you're going to have some attrition. Why do this? Because it gives people peace of mind, right, that they've gotten their entries mm -hmm. in, and it minimizes the amount of emails you have to deal with beg with people begging but i can Another, do that you can do that with some i mean i know you know you're going to get attrition of sure. like say 20 25 percent or handle it but you're talking here's attrition of 150 no, percent you can't but, build that in you can't accept that another school of thought and i know that this is not a perfect answer because it still doesn't make everybody happy but there is a there is a 
place, I think, for holding a few spots off that you can manually enter, knowing that you're going to get, and I say this with respect to the person who posted this because I don't, I don't mean this as a, you know, a criticism of that person, but people are going to send in particular sob stories, right? Um, I think it's the tournament director's right to allow certain, you know, allow whoever he or she wants in, I think, at the end of the day. Uh, and I think that if, if you believe that there may be some extraordinary circumstances or schools mm -hmm. that merit special attention or you purposely say, I want six new schools, then what you need to do is hold off some of those slots for the last moment, right? Uh, or, or for when that moment occurs. Uh, similarly, um, I'm pretty open, I'm pretty direct about when my tournament is going to open, the exact minute it's going to open, right? So what I do is occasionally I will get emails from people who say I will be out of the country at that time. I will, you know, it would be simply impossible for me to register at that moment. Could you hold slots for me? And I'm willing to do that if I think that there's a, you know, a legitimate reason why the person needs, you know, needs that help. Um, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I don't disagree with it, but it's not going to solve, it's only going to, I mean, it's a smart thing to do, but it's not solving this problem. No, that's right. It doesn't solve yeah. the, the overall mm -hmm. problem. I agree. Yeah, I mean, we probably all do this to some extent. Anyhow, go down to the next one. Um, timing of the registration. We mentioned this before. Um, you know, like accessible, like we, we lock some folks out because it opens at a time that's not accessible to both coasts simultaneously, Yale and Bronx being examples. Um, in this situation, why not create a start time for registration at 3 p.m. EST, which is 12 uh, p.m. PST. It gives everyone a fair shot uh, for free-for-all style registration. Although I tend, I mean, in answer to that, I'm more interested in Chris's idea, which is just throw this out. I mean, that the moment you sign up is not the best yeah, let's try something different. Let's do an arithmetic approach. Um, depending on your vision for tournament, uh, allow every school that registers their first two and waitlist the rest, which is sort of what we were saying. Um, uh, something to allow local registrants, which you were just talking about before. Um, set a max of TBA slots. I don't know. Can you actually do that, Chris? Um, no, and I won't because of yeah, exactly what I was telling before. People think that there's mm -hmm. some magical problem with TBAs that there isn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> the, you you create problems by treating TBAs as more as different because all you're doing is telling mm -hmm. me that I have to go through and put fake names in, and that yeah. causes its own harms. We, my program, single-handedly caused an inadvertent stampede at the Columbia tournament a couple of years ago because we registered Noah as a placeholder name, mm -hmm. and so all the Scarsdale kids who needed a second bid suddenly wanted to go to Lexington instead of Columbia, and um, we weren't bringing Noah. It, it was just a placeholder <laughs> name, but mm -hmm. like all of a sudden we had nine Scarsdale kids, you know, all wanted to mm -hmm. switch into Lexington away from Columbia just because we did that. So it's not a very good idea. It just yeah. you know you weird. It worked for mm -hmm. us, but you know, <laughs> overall. I mean, so far, the way it stands now, as we've had this discussion, I'm looking at these things, the idea of doing a little bit of a spread, you know, and then, you know, giving people a couple of weeks and then saying, okay, never, or a week, give people a week and then fairly divvy them up. But keep a few on the side for those special situations, which is up to the tournament. Like right. Yale making a, a specific point that it wants local people to say, okay, Yale. Uh, how many slots do you want to give to local people? And, you know, here they would be able, they'd be able to do it easily because given that it's in Parley and virtually no one else is in Parley except for a handful of schools, um, they have a nice, easy solution to that problem. You know, something like Princeton, on the other hand, uh, there's a lot of local schools 
And, um, you know, so from their point of view, they would probably be PF. Um, they'd have to make it, th- but that's fine. I mean, if we say, okay, this is the uh, savings account, the local savings account, or this maybe, or the, if, and everything else, it's the, it is what it is. You know, I mean, it's, you know. I would I also know. say that, you know, one should be careful about being too flexible around sob stories because, you know, mm-hmm. as we've all observed, uh, you know, grandmother mortality rates are never higher than when kids are dropping out mm-hmm. of a tournament. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've had kids who have seven or eight grandmothers all die right yeah. before the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, that kind of thing. I've, and also, degree, I've, I've come up with the thing I added to your, you know, the fact that you bought plane tickets when you were not accepted to the tournament does not warrant my letting you into the tournament. Yeah, you know, I, it's, that's it's, a good one, too. Mm-hmm. Well, the, I mean, my wider point about invitations, I've always wanted to actually charge mm-hmm. a $50 fine for asking a question whose answer isn't right. <laughs> um, if only I, to point out to people that they just mm-hmm. booked $1,200 worth of travel without reading a four-page document mm-hmm. about how to do so. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but on a wider you scale, though, you, mm-hmm. I've always kind of hesitated about giving too much credence to sob stories um, mm-hmm. my personal favorite sob story that I would always get once or two time every year at Yale was tab room was down for me <laughs> and I'm like well um, mm. that's not how the internet works and oh, I can yeah. assure you that it was up so yeah. you know better than anyone else can assure you I, I can assure you that it is well up. I got everybody that oh I've signed at exactly 8 in the morning well, yeah. we opened at 9 in the morning Yeah. <laughs> then there's the one that was like you know everybody got in except me because you have a back door uh-huh. Back door. If I thought that there, if there was a back door, I mean, I'd I'd probably know about it by now. You well, know? not only that, but uh, you know, yeah, look at the list of coaches who did get in, and if you think any of them can hack my system, <laughs> yeah, uh huh, bring it. Uh, <laughs> so, I, to some degree, and you always hear this around drop fines is you know so and so, you know, they have they they came down with a case of Ebola and therefore can't come, and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, to some degree, a case of Ebola is worth paying fifty bucks to skip a tournament for. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. I've never, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I've no, you know, I've had my own sob stories. Oh my God. I had a sob story at your damn tournament. I've had to pay a bazillion dollars because my judge mm-hmm. didn't show up. And I'm like, holy moly, look at this. And it's like, well, if it were me sitting there, I'd make me pay too. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just the way it is. It's like, whoa, you know, it's like, it's not your problem. I mean, well, it is. Your, I make it your problem by not having brought the people I promised right. to bring, especially right. a judge. And I think that John says, you know, yeah. money can't judge mm-hmm. around. So yeah. right. Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. he doesn't actually help you very much. So, yeah. So anyhow, I got, I'm, I'm looking at the next one here, which John said, he, uh, this is Tim's, uh, Note that John chimed in on in, in agreement. I understand the frustration with the current system, but would caution against using fines, penalties, or fees as the solution, which I think we're all in agreement with. Um, the reason, as the article says, the problem is not people acting unethically or unfairly, but rather one of too much success. And he's got a point here. Yes. It, we have to assume good intentions. I mean, and yeah. I think for most people we deal with, um, they are everybody's in. Yeah, you know, they may not be experienced. And I don't. I don't like punishing people because they are inexperienced. Yeah, you know, I want to. I want them to come back next year. We really want everybody to come back every time. We want them to have a good experience when they're starting out. We spent a lot of time working on that. Anyhow, too many people want to attend your tournament. It seems inhospitable to punish them for doing what is now necessary to secure spots. I'd love to be able to fill in accurately the names of my novice students at Harvard Westlake tournament, but I have no idea. He is Tim German because he has these 
was nouns with capitals on it. He's, I love the way he writes. But I have no idea who is going to attend yet, given that I have never met them and won't for another month. You know? Right. Uh, right. <laughs> even for uh, varsity, students are away at different places over the summer. They don't know their school or sports schedules yet. I don't know who will earn it with assignments or success. I'm not ready to fill in accurate names in August. Um, I read above that someone had students sign up and put down a deposit, which I just talked about. The June before summer, and I cringed. Is this the new normal? I don't know what the solution is, but uh, punish you if you change names after August, then that is too far. And I, I definitely think he's right, in which obviously, John, you concurred right. on that. I think that nobody really, I mean, a couple of people want, but I don't think anybody's big on Well, actually, people. major tournaments do require that you pay in advance and that there is a penalty for dropping in advance. I mean, I, I think that I, I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to read into Tim's post if he's talking about current tournaments or just as a theoretical thing, but actually that does exist, right? I mean, there, there's mm -hmm. a, a, something like this exists already. And well, I, I know, I, yeah. but I don't know if you go to Glenbrooks and if you pay and for something in early enough in a reasonable amount of time, I know I've gotten money back. Sure. So, so, have yeah, I. so they're not holding, you know, they're just, they're just guaranteeing that someone's going to be there and they're not you know, punishing me if um, two months later, you know, I, I can't have this thing. I mean, as long as it's a reasonable amount of time from their perspective and they can replace people. I mean, part of that is just, if I want to do all this extra bookkeeping and I would do it like my tournament where I have like 400 kids, I could conceivably do the bookkeeping here. You got 400 kids in one division, you know, who's going to do this bookkeeping? Like, oh yeah. So I don't know if I want to do that at all. But I think we I think we've like I say I think we've really come up with it. you know there's not a there's no specifics on this but at least there's a, a general sense of you know don't force that moment to you know if you're not there by the moment you're out and and spread it among everybody give everybody as many slots as you can in your limits and see how that pans out but at least every, you know that, that sounds way more fair than um you know, however many there are, you just give it out. And that way you don't have an artificial thing where we're going to say three or four or eight, whatever, because we don't even know yet. Because maybe some year there's going to be a lot, lot more. Maybe some years going to be fewer. Who knows? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen in Princeton. I don't think Princeton is ever this bad for, for PF. Well, and I would actually use that as a good segue to point out something, which is the, the real problem here insofar as there is a problem is that we have we don't have that many great tournaments. You know, it's it's hard to run a tournament and there aren't that many people or that aren't that many schools or organizations that are capable of doing so. Um, and so it can be very difficult to, uh, you know, allocate. Yale is only such a big campus and they've proven over the years that they can run a pretty good tournament. So, you know, what do you do with that? You know, you find a way to encourage other people to run good tournaments, I guess. And, um, you know, how do you do that is a good question. But the other, you know, hidden agenda here too that's kind of floating around the back of that one is that there are also only so many TOC bits out there mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. those create a sort of artificial scarcity um, that informs a lot of this as well and if it weren't for the bid system who knows what what, what you know you, you can see what the bid system would be kind of like if you look at the speech side of things where there are no bids and uh, a tournament like Yale still has trouble fitting people into speech but not nearly as much trouble and it's not nearly as much of a free-for-all to get in um, I don't think that's true at Bronx either, right, John? Like, it's tough, right. but it's not that tough. I mean, actually, the speech events filled very rapidly, but our speech events also have, we admit fewer people in. So mm -hmm. the, the reality is that looking at the wait list, you're correct. I mean, looking yeah. at the, the wait list in LD and PF compared to, uh, actually, I would even say that, you, that, it, that it's comparative to the bid in each event. 
right? Because yeah. like the 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 LD and PF are uh, longer waitlist than policy. Right. Comics. And you have a, and you right. have, we have a Octus, Octus and LD and, and PF. Right. Like, that's right. Yeah. And um, you, you see it at Princeton too, where PF right. is going to fill like gangbusters, but LD and P and, uh, mm-hmm. and you don't even know, you don't offer policy there, but LD will just lag behind. So, yeah. mm-hmm. and so there's, there's that factor as well, which is kind of like, okay, you know, there are only so many bids and people don't want to go to a bid division. What do you do with that? So, yeah, and that's always going to inform things. And there's not going to be more bid tournaments popping up. I mean, I don't, there's not going to be more of any tournament. I mean, you know, it's like every weekend has something right. going on. And the best well, you can say is some tournament's not so good and it'll be replaced by a better honestly, tournament. The, you know, the the only thing that could move bid-wise in any of these regards is that Yale could get promoted. Right. You know, and that's mm-hmm. not going to help anything at all because then even more people would want to go. Oh, you know, like there's not really another thing that could be done yeah. <laughs> in response to this bid-wise, right? No. Um, well, apart from, you know, one of the other factors keeping policy smaller at John's tournament, which is that there's an Octo's bid at St. Mark's. Right, sure. Point, right? So, sure. Mm-hmm. so who knows, right? <laughs> no. I, mean, I think we have some consensus. We're about at that hour mark, and I think that we're lucky if anyone's still listening after an hour. <laughs> um, but... Um, I Hi think, yeah. <laughs> but I think, I mean, for me, like I said, I'm in the middle of this process now and, and I'm going to go through it again a couple of times and, and I think less problem, fewer problems, you know, at the other ones, but yeah, you know, then I go and I'm, we'll go through it again next year, you know, so it'll never go away, but this is the college tournament. It's not my own bump tournament. That one, I always, everybody gets in sooner or later. John even gets his extra slots, you know, all this kind of stuff. But, um, you know, but I know that from experience, but we are seeing, I think we're seeing, I mean, John, would you say you got more people signed up this year than last year off the yes. starting gun? Yeah, you know, I think, cause I feel that way at Yale. And for whatever reason, well, one, th- one of the things I think is just the popularity of PF um, yeah. is, is it's, it's there now. The Gale has also mm-hmm. never seen a hundred percent wait list in LD. I mm-hmm. mean, that's that. And the speech mm-hmm. numbers have always grown every year after year. Mm-hmm. It grows a little bit. It has been a long time. Uh, I don't remember ever having to uh, actually exclude people from speech, but it just takes a while to get in. Yeah. Um, but still it's, it's I, I, not easy. I'm hoping with speech we'll get just about everybody in. I don't know, but th- with the debate, you know, LD uh, and PF, yeah. I don't think so. More yeah, kids per room so. in speech, so it does tend to be a little easier there too. So yeah, and and yeah. you get uh, Vaughn in there juggling, he finds another room, and all of a sudden you get a whole, you know, yeah, that, you can get it spreads out for a lot of people, yeah. you know. Yeah, you can put about divisions. 14 entries into a speech room because of the patterning mm-hmm. and the number of kids. Yeah, in the room. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So. so you know, a little creativity on that end. Yep. Well, uh, this was uh, this was fun. I just hope everything recorded well. I and so, uh, <laughs> so, gentlemen, I appreciate your uh, your being here, and I'm just going to uh, sign out. So, thank you very much. Thank you. All right.